We have so many interesting uh, new events that have happened in the past couple of weeks, Devin, uh, that that it's breathtaking. We, we can barely talk about them all. I mean, obviously, the one we talked uh, with Ward Carnerly before, he was such a great guest, by the way, uh, talking about the results of the affirmative action decisions. I had thought that there was going to be some sort of split decision, that they were going to try to play nice. Thankfully, they didn't do that. Um, they said, no, no affirmative action anymore, period. Thank you. End of the story. Have a nice day for both the public and the private schools. I thought the reason why they took both of those the, those cases was to give a split decision, uh, to say something to the effect of, okay, Harvard, you're a private school. You, can, you have more discretion in that department. But because UNC, University of North Carolina, is a, is a public school, well, in that case, uh, because it's receiving... Uh, massive amounts of public funds and is run by the government, um, then they, they can't do that. And I would have been happy with that. Um, but no, they went all the way. And because, and they were consistent with it. And then you would have a dissent from uh, Clarence Thomas saying, I would have, I, I, I concur in part and dissent in part. You know, that's, that's what he would say. He would say, you know, racism has no place. That's what really what I thought was going to happen. Um, and, and, you know, our listeners would, would recall that I predicted that as a possibility. I wanted both of them to be reversed and they, but they both were, it's wonderful. So, um, and everything about it was right. There was no nuance that was concerning, uh, uh, Ketanji, uh, Jackson showed that she was really not a very bright person. Uh, it, it was really ridiculous talking about the history of, uh, of the black experience and, but, but assuming that this is, first of all, the solution to reversing racism, never talking about the fact that it's been about 60 years and, and nothing has happened, right? I mean, nothing meaningful. If affirmative action worked that well, as she believed it does, then 10 years ought to have made massive changes. But they can't do that. So they, they said, no, we got to keep on taking this medicine that we know doesn't work. Um, so that's, that's issue number one. Second issue of her wrongheadedness was that uh, she ascribes whatever the problems are to racism. But, but where's the proof of that? You know, correlation versus causation, right? She just assumes that the reason why blacks are not doing as well in society uh, from, you know, various different categories, uh, is because of racism. Well, how about fatherlessness? How about the school unions? How about the lack of school choice? How about welfare? And so many other issues that, uh, and, and, and basically telling blacks that they are, they deserve the help. They, they, they need the help from us. It's, uh, it's the infantilizing, as Dennis Prager points out. Yeah. So that, that, that was the thing that bothers me about the Katanji, uh, uh, Jackson Brown, uh, Brown Jackson. Is it? I always, Jackson's the last name. Oh, Brown Jackson. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's Jackson Brown, the singer and yeah. I don't, who am I also don't like, by the way, I, I don't like anybody whose combination of names of Jackson and Brown. How about that? <laughs> so, uh, Brown Jackson just doesn't have a, a good way of thinking about this and they just want it because they want it. Uh, the, the legal analysis be damned, right? Let, let's go where we need to go. So anyway, great result on that. I don't want to overdo that because we've already talked about it extensively with Ward Carnley and he, he, he gave fantastic uh, examples. The, the, we also talked about the Baker case. No, no, yeah, we did talk about the Baker case, but also the web developer woman. 
And this idea, it was so simple to me. I don't understand why the court itself didn't even kind of articulate it the following way, which is uh, this idea that no, sir, no, you, know, you, you would resi- reserve the right to refuse service to anyone. Uh, this woman is refusing service, not because they're transgender, but because they wanted her to express something the way they, they wanted her to express it. So it's, it's, you know, going back to the old ice cream store uh, example. Well, that's like saying I'm not going to sell ice cream to a black person. But no, what it is, is you sell it to a black person and then he decides he's going to do it. He's going to, he's going to start, you know, um, he's forcing you to, uh, to, to do something with the ice cream, to say something uh, in, in, uh, in support of his position for whatever, civil rights or whatever. Like, I, I can't, no, it's, it's, it's the person versus the expression that's being forced on you. And the fact that they couldn't figure that out, that the left even the dissent, I, I would expect a unanimous decision on that one. Just they, they may not like it. And they say, look, this is one of those examples. I may not agree with what you have to say, but I will defend to the death your right to say it. And they, they didn't do that. I mean, and, and it's, it's so short-sighted too, because it would, be, it would be easy for anyone to make the argument just a little bit in reverse. Like what if... What if Donald Trump came into your, your restaurant and they have come into to his restaurant and they don't like him? I refuse to serve, serve you, Mr. Trump, because of who you are, not even what you did, who you are, right? right? That's, that's a form of discrimination. But what if, what if a, a KKK guy came in to, and you're a black owned store and he wants you to, um, to, to, to give him hot dogs for his celebration of the KKK anniversary, the 100th anniversary or whatever of the KKK. You're going to sell it to him? Really? Do you, you have to? Right. And, and that's just selling it to him. You're not being forced to express anything, right? Clearly, you should be able to say no. And, and had that been the case, then everyone would nod their heads along saying, yeah, that, that black uh, owner should not have to sell it to that KKK guy, right? Right. So anyway, this is too easy. Yeah, and I think that, um, and I... I hope you're right, but my thinking is way more cynical. I think they know exactly what they're doing, and their desire is just for power to control all our speech. And so if the Constitution, one side's working with the Constitution, and we believe in that. The other side, no, 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 we want to have every aspect of your life under our control. And if the Constitution helps us to do it, Great. And if it doesn't, we'll pretend like it does and that you're misunderstanding the Constitution. All right. yeah, yeah. Well, yes, you're right about that. And, and AOC <laughs> has something to say about the recent Supreme Court decisions, uh, particularly the affirmative action. And, and, you know, take a guess. Did she like the decisions? Come on. I mean, you, you, no, you, you think she did like it. Interesting, Devin. Interesting. I don't know if you understand how this works here. No, of course she didn't like it, and she uh, she went. Shall we say, what's the word I'm looking for? Nuts, nuts about it, right? Okay. So yeah, she. <laughs> I like it when she's angry. Really, I I think she's. You know, sometimes sometimes somebody looks very attractive when they're angry. Yeah. Right? She's spicy. Yeah. Shit. Yeah, yeah. A, an ex-girlfriend of mine said that I, I looked good looking, you know, I looked very good looking when I was angry. Like, I don't know if I like that. 
I want to be I want to be good looking if I, when I'm when I'm happy and smiling. Yeah. I don't know. But I'll take it. <laughs> Whatever way she could construe me as good looking. All right, so here uh speaking about uh, AOC, let's take it from her her own words. This is a bit of a mashup from Fox News, but nevertheless she said that all in the context of one speech. Here you go. We have justices saying that the Supreme Court is going themselves much too far. They are expanding their role into acting as though they are Congress itself. We Okay, so just really quickly on that point, uh, she talks about judicial activism, which is so funny because the Supreme Court is, in fact, reversing judicial activism, right? When, when pushing affirmative action, that is... That was judicial activism, no less than the uh, Roe v. Wade case was, uh, you know, which was overruled about a year ago. Uh, that was judicial activism, right? So, uh, in other words, if you fight back, then that's outrageous. They get to punch you, but you don't get to punch back, right? So let's continue on really must be focusing on the danger of this court and the abuse of power in this court. There also must... Okay, abuse of power. All right. In what way was it an abuse of power? Maybe she's saying because of the, uh, you know, uh, inventing law and acting like Congress, but we've already discussed that. In no way are they acting like Congress. They're simply saying it's unconstitutional. Their very job is to determine whether something is unconstitutional. It's it's that simple. So abuse, abuse of power, what, what, where? Just... Just tell me. So only if the decisions go the way she wants them to go, uh, then then the, the court is acting judiciously and in a, a very pro-American way. And it, what is she saying, I think, and I think a lot of people agree with her, is same old Republicans. All they do is come in and stop racism. <laughs> that's not, yes, that's true. Uh, it's a, yeah, so abuse of power. So not, here's the next point. Be impeachment on the table. The Supreme Court has not been receiving the adequate oversight necessary in order to preserve their own legitimacy. Okay, so there's two points there. Impeachment is should be on the table, and then they don't have adequate oversight. So, what? what how does the oversight work? Excuse me, ma'am. Do you, do you understand the separation of powers? So, the the, the oversight that we have is the uh, the president of the United States. Which is the executive branch, and they can he can he nominates judicial uh, appointees, uh, and then secondly, the Congress they could they could make laws that are not unconstitutional. So they just she just doesn't get it. Like, she, what's the oversight you're looking for? What what, what is your vision? Yet another uh, you know body of the government that now looks over the the shoulders of the Supreme Court justices. Or perhaps packing the court, maybe have another 10 justices. Is that what you want? Um, who knows, you know, how these people think. It's very, it's very odd, but when they don't get their way, they go nuts. And so uh, the, the oversight thing was very interesting. The impeachment, what, what would be the theory of the impeachment? We don't like the way you ruled, so therefore we're going to impeach you. This is, this is America, really? That's, that's the way you would expect it? In a banana republic, you don't go the way we wanted you to. Uh, after all, we paid you millions of dollars to do so. Uh, so now give us our decision or we impeach you. Real absurd. Yeah, and it's one of those things where it's like, what kind of oversight, like how would, aside from impeachment, what would it look like? yeah, like it's like the executive branch investigating a congresswoman who's been in there for three terms and somehow generated $30 million of personal wealth. Like 
maybe cut that kind of oversight. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, she's going to be investing money. She's going to be a rich woman eventually, very soon, because she'll figure out how to invest and cheat in the system. Yeah. I think it's so corrupt. Okay. And then, uh, then she won't be so much for oversight, uh, at least with regard to the Congress. And there's also some other bizarre uh, responses, and this one from Biden. And as you know, they, they also made a decision on the the loan, the the forgiveness of loans uh, for student debt and such. And that was obvious that it was going to be over overruled. But that was that was a six two decision, I think. Also, um, I mean, would you mind looking that up while we talk about this? But regardless, I want to want to be able to address that because this, to me, that was it was pure pandering at the time that it was made. It was a promise to the borrowers uh, for college uh, loans that uh, they would be relieved of at least $10,000. What a win that would be. And then they, uh, I, then of course, they overturned it. it. It was purely unconstitutional on procedural grounds because the, the Biden administration is just the executive branch. They don't get to be able to say, you know, forgive the loan. So it was 6-3. Okay, so he just did the research. Okay, so that's surprising to me. It really should not be that. I mean, the court has had unanimous, in, in, this, in, the, in the liberal uh, justice's defense, the court has had um, a few unanimous decisions uh, where you would think, okay, well, maybe they would have taken the, the other side, but um, this court in, in particular. But I guess the loan decision was too uh, politically toxic. They shouldn't have been, you know, they weren't going to be perceived as being against uh, the Biden administration. Okay. Uh, especially Ketanji Brown, who just, you know, was the one who um, uh, was just appointed by, and the only one, thank God, that was appointed by Biden. But listen to what he says in response to, did you give false hope to the borrowers? Uh, this is in a press conference. We're going to get this done, God willing. Thank you. Mr. President, why did you give millions of borrowers false hope? You've dated, doubted your own authority here in the past. I didn't give any false hope. The question was whether or not I would do even more than was requested. What I did I thought was appropriate and was able to be done and would get done. I didn't give borrowers false hope, but the Republicans snatched away the hope that it was, they were given. And it <laughs> They snatched it away. We're snatchers. We're, we're, you know what we're like? We're, <clears throat> we're like those, the, the, um, the evil owners of the carnival, you know, the haunted carnival place in the, the Scooby-Doo series, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and we're snatching away all the fun that the youngsters would otherwise enjoy, you know? <laughs> snatched. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, and one thing, like, just with Biden, did, not that he has any kind of dementia, but one way to tell is that he doesn't slur his words on every single word. It's only particular ones that do, like bar instead of borrowers. Like it's, know. yeah. I don't, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I look, he, he has dementia. Yeah. I'm, but, I mean, we don't get into, you know, look at this. He's got dementia. He's got dementia in this particular speech. I think it's obvious he has right. dementia. So we don't even have to get into it. <clears throat> uh, but let, let's continue on with what he has to say because this part is super interesting. It's real. Real hope. Thank you. Mr. President, will you cancel your authority? Did you overstep your authority? I think the court misinterpreted the Constitution. That part is my favorite, okay? The court misinterpreted the Constitution. Yeah. So the six justices, they, they don't know as well as Biden what's what when it comes to the Constitution, okay? He knows because he went to what what— what a law school 
I mean, University of Delaware, I think it was. Not a very, I'm not saying that, you know, you can't go to a, a lesser known law school and not be a fantastic lawyer, but he wasn't a lawyer. He was a politician. He, he never opined, never gave an opinion, but he knows better than these mostly Harvard and Stanford graduates, right? Uh, about what the constitution should really uh, hold. And he, he, you know, they misinterpreted it. They, they just got it wrong, man. Right, exactly. It's written clearly, the Third Amendment, is that any time a president needs to get elected, he's allowed to promise and then forgive all student debt. It's right there. You can read it. Third Amendment of the Constitution. That's right. That's right. Third one. It's right there. <laughs> uh, all right. So I want to move on a little bit to uh, to the next very interesting thing because uh, <clears throat> there's a huge new case that came down a couple of days after the affirmative action decision, not from the Supreme Court, but from a district court judge. I believe it was in uh, Louisiana, as that could be. Uh, and that decision basically said, and it's a huge issue, that um, Twitter and Facebook and otherwise, uh, the government cannot, it, it, there's actually an injunction now. The government is not allowed to uh, interfere or uh, give advice or request anything <laughs> with uh, with respect to those social media sites, because it now it appears very clear that the government uh, was essentially telling these sites what to censor, what not to censor, censor, and and basically making political positions. So it, it it turns out with regard to the vaccines, for example, with regard to the shutdown, how to view global warming, and all the other social issues of the day, and. Uh, oh, and the Hunter Biden laptop, of course. Yeah. Uh, and, and they suppressed the 51 heads. You know, sorry. They suppressed the existence of the Hunter Biden laptop story altogether. If you were to raise it, it was squashed. Uh, and then they presented the 51 heads of the intelligence agencies who said, you know, just for good measure, that that it has all the harm, earmarks of a um, uh, Russian disinform disinformation campaign. That they allowed. If you were, if you were saying... Look at this terrible story that the those Waskley conservatives are trying to present, uh, which now 51 heads of the intelligence community is, are saying it's all Russian disinformation. Let's let's face it, right? You would think that they would have learned their lesson when the Russian collusion thing was all deemed to be fabricated, which it was. But no, no, it's it's. I guess it's it, it's just the gift that keeps on giving, right? The 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 word Russia, just just. I don't know, just feels evil. So let's just attach that word to everything. And then people will say, it will nod their heads along saying, well, it was Russia. Okay. I, I hate those Russians, especially Putin, Putin. Yes. All right. Anyway, so uh, that, that is very interesting because now uh, it, it's in the middle of the case. It's not a final decision, but courts can issue restraining orders. Now, you say, well, why doesn't, does that mean anything, Barack? You know, if it's not the end of the case. Well, it's not, the, it doesn't mean everything, but it means a hell of a lot. Because to get a TRO like that or a restraining order, sometimes uh, it's, it's called what we call a, uh, uh, it's not, it's a pro provisional restraining order. So there's three kinds of restraining orders, each of them progressively harder to get. The first one is a temporary restraining order. You may have heard that in terms of the context of, you know, somebody harassing you. Okay, you get a TRO. That's very easy to get. Okay, but it dissolves automatically, at least in state court, uh, 10 days. Okay, it might be a little bit longer in some states, but in California, 10 days. And then you set up 
uh, preliminary injunction hearing. So that is the provisional one I was telling you about. And you set up a hearing. Now you have to show proof that you are likely going to win on the case. You have a reasonable probability of success on the merits. And the balance of hardships weighs in your favor of issuing the injunction. Okay? And, and there's something, a very interesting thing. Remind me of this. It's called prior restraint. Okay? So I want you to remember this. So they succeeded. In order to get this preliminary injunction, they succeeded in getting that. They, they made a showing that they are more likely than not of getting that. And they had uh, the balance of hardships weighs in favor. I, and the balance of hardships, that, I think that was an easy one because like, you're, you're suppressing people's free speech. That's a First Amendment. We, we value it that very highly in America, or at least we used to. Yeah. And uh, on paper, that's what we value. And so the court agreed. Now, the, the judge was a Trump appointee, but so what? I mean, that's the way it works, you know, the, Liberal judges, you know, some tend to go the Biden way or Obama way and uh, the conservative ones go. So, so they can't cry foul. OK, that's just, let's just face it. It's, it's just it is what it is. You draw a, a liberal judge, you're going to get liberal leaning decisions and so on. OK, so that's scary for the other side. Now, at the end of the day, there's going to be more and more information coming out and the judge is really pissed off. He's seen documentation showing active censorship. What do you do with that, right? I mean, now discovery is going to come out more and more showing how the, the government has been interfering. Question is whether or not uh, the media will actually show it for anything and, then, and they'll expose it or, you know, whether they'll expose it. That's the irony of it, right? They have that control of the social media to be able to suppress the social media. Um, and anyway, fascinating stuff. Let's see how, you know, where this, where, where this takes us. I do have a good feeling about it. It's certainly in the right direction. And I have a question for you because this one, okay, they're censoring and that's bad. But they're not just censoring because of personal prejudice or whatever. They're censoring, in especially the Hunter Biden laptop, which if it was Russian disinformation, oh my God, are we missing out on some amazing Russian <laughs> films? Oh my God, would those be incredible? But I don't think it is, but like, they're doing it for one political side. Like, this is election interference. Does that make it, the censorship worse if it's such a fundamental right they're taking from the American people? That's right. That's right. Yeah. They are making it worse. I mean, it, it is patronizing. I mean, under what theory will the government agree, uh, it, sorry, articulate that what it was doing with Twitter and Facebook and otherwise was legitimate? They'll, they'll say, oh, it's, it's in, a, in the national interest. Well, okay, but the vaccines were proven to be a total, you know, dud. So was the shutdown. So was uh, so were so many other things. And uh, you're you're not you're not there to do that. We're allowed to have our discussions, and you you can, the government can't get get in and say, well, we need to stop this. I mean, it's always national security. They can always say that. Ceausescu would say he's the famous uh, Roman dictator, Romanian d dictator. He would say, oh, I, I had to stop them because they were saying dangerous things. They, they, you know, I'm 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 here to help. Right. So, uh, you know, at what point do you distinguish between a government that is supposedly doing the right thing and a government that is a mere dictatorship? I mean, it, it's not a, a very clear line. 
Here's what uh, here's what the story says. A federal judge has made a historic ruling by partially granting an injunction that blocks various Biden administration officials and government agencies like the Justice Department and the and the FBI. I didn't realize that from working with big tech firms to censor posts on social media. The injunction came in response to a censorship by proxy lawsuit brought by attorneys general in Louisiana and Missouri who have accused Biden administration officials and various government agencies of pressuring social media companies to suspend accounts to take down posts. The judge, Terry Doughty, wrote in the July 4th judgment that just yesterday, the various government's agencies, including the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Agency, that's the CISA, <clears throat> the Department of Homeland Security, uh, Department of State, Department of Justice, and the Centers for Disease Control are prohibited from taking a range of actions with, with regard to social media companies. The, um, the, uh, the judge called it shocking, appalling, and concerning. So uh, the agencies and their staff members are prohibited from meeting or contacting by phone, email, text message, or any Engaging in any communication of any kind with social media companies, urging, encouraging, pressuring, or inducing in any manner for removal, deletion, suppression, or reduction of content containing protected free speech. Okay? That's, that's awesome. Now, you may say to yourself, well, why can't they do this? this is a, it's a private company. Well, but the private company could do it. In other words, if it was... Not at all connected to the government if there was no, but they had meetings. The government was going in there telling Twitter and Facebook and otherwise to suppress. So there's an expression in law, which is an obvious statement. You cannot do indirectly what you cannot do directly, right? So if the government came to your, your computer and, uh, you know, saw you typing away, you know, I don't believe in the vaccine or whatever it is, and they delete, <laughs> you say, move on to the next, and then it says, move on to your next tweet. We'll see if we like it. And you say, I like Charlie Brown. Okay, well, that's acceptable. And then you move on to the next one. Uh, God is great. We need more God. No, nope. delete, right? You, you would obviously say that is clearly a violation of a free speech. You'd be right. But this is no different. This is actually in many ways worse because it's under the guise of making it seem as if a private institution, i.e. Facebook, Twitter, and so on, are the ones uh, making decisions and suppressing, quote-unquote. Okay, and then they hide behind algorithms and everything else. But the government here is doing indirectly what, what it cannot do directly. So it's no different. Very simply put, you know that, that the a police officer has to have a warrant in order to search your apartment, for example, or your, even your car. And under, there are many circumstances that are exceptions, like uh, probable cause. You know, you smell the pot from far away. You know, okay, now you can you can do it. You've given the cop probable cause to to do it. But but, but putting that aside, because that's not what we're talking about here. The cop needs a warrant, okay? Um, because the government can't go into that apartment. All right. Question for you, Devin. What if the cop says, "I know I can't do it." but I really don't like Johnny Smith in that in apartment 3D on 123 Main Street, okay? And I want to get that sucker. And I know he's doing something nefarious. I, I, I'm going to catch him on something. I just don't, and I don't have the time for the warrant, and he's right there. I know he's in the apartment right now. 
And then you find some, you know, some passerby. Looks like he's not really dressed and he, he could use a little bit of money. And you offer him 50 bucks. Hey, uh, what's your name? David. David, you want to make a quick 50? Yeah. What's up? And he says, I want you to go break into that, <laughs> to that apartment, 3A, whatever the apartment I said, and, uh, and just take a lot of pictures. Okay? Just take a massive amount of videos and come back and tell me what you found. And then it comes back and you see the videos and sure enough, you see some drug paraphernalia and maybe some white cocaine substance. And then the guy says, okay, I'm coming. And that's my probable cause. Boom. He goes in. Okay. What do you think? Is that legal? Oh God, no, not at all. But I'm sure it happens every day. (laughs) Well, they would do it every day, but they, they know that's not legal. And that's a, that's totally a violation because you cannot do directly what you I mean, you cannot do indirectly. What you can't do directly. Absolutely. Thank you. Sing it. Sing it. <laughs> <laughs> Praise the Lord. Uh, that is true. You just that's the whole point. But this is this is no different. And it's it's worse because it's a it's on a massive scale. Millions of people, like you and me. If if look at when I was on Facebook and I, I started commenting about COVID, I was suppressed. Boom. It was just awful. I would have like four comments from time to time. But if you show a picture of your cat, you know, you might get 10,000 views. Yeah. It's amazing. Uh, now, if the cat says something about COVID, <laughs> I don't know. If you, you get suppressed on that too, I'm sure you would. The point is that uh, these algorithms, they, whatever it is, they, they, they literally, they will search and scan for all sorts of permutations of the word COVID, of the word vaccine, of the word shutdown, uh, global warming, climate change, they'll do that and they'll find ways of suppressing it. And the government is working with them and they're having meetings. And you, and, and it sounds like a conspiracy, but it's not. There's, I don't think they even think it's a conspiracy. I don't think they're, they're trying to act like conspiracists. They go in there, they went to Twitter, we know that now, and they said, uh, this Hunter Biden's thing, you gotta, you gotta, because we, th- we think it's a disinformation campaign. They went to... Uh, uh, Zuckerberg yeah. and said that to him and they went to the Twitter boys and they said that to him, to them. And, and they, oh, they said, okay, well, I guess we'll take it down because, you know, we don't want disinformation. That's the worst thing ever, yeah. right? Because somebody might say something wrong. We can't have that on Twitter. <laughs> they can say anything about that there's no existence of God or anything. That's not important to them. Or that that Trump sucks, or that he's sleeping with uh, whores and peeing on beds, that's okay. But you can't say that the Hillary Clinton campaign, for example, fabricated that. You can't say that uh, the Biden administration was uh, pressuring Ukraine to fire that one per- one particular prosecutor who just happened to be investigating his son Hunter Biden. Right. right. That you can't say. But when you, when you when the Trump wants to Query about it, that needs to be suppressed. Right. Everything just happens to be suppressed. Every, everything that happens to be suppressed is stuff that, uh, you know, cuts against the conservatives. Exactly. And like the medical thing, too, where it's like, I'm sure a lot of people, because I've talked to so many people, younger people who regret having the vaccine. And oddly, I've never talked to anyone who regretted not getting it. Right. Oddly enough. But like, that was a medical thing. Ivermectin. I took it. 
it was so much better. And they not only wanted to take that away from me, but then they wanted to force something else on me. Like human beings lost their lives because of this censorship, not just like an election where we got, you know, the best president ever who made like got 80 more votes than Obama, but like cleanest cleanest election in history. Exactly. Yeah. It's such a like this is such a tragedy. And the thing I'm most excited about, because I don't you know more than me about this is. I want to see every single communication that the federal government or state governments had with big tech. I want the discovery to roll. Look, you'll have it at some point. The discovery will roll, God willing. But the question is, will anyone pay attention to it? I mean, we we now know that the Clinton campaign was the one who fabricated, which which fabricated the whole Russian collusion stuff. We know it. It's it's all there. But... You know, the answer from the Democrats is a big yawn. Like, that was so 2016, right? Like, that's now, what, uh, seven years ago. Yeah. That's uh, that's absurd. Why, why are you bringing that up? It's, you know, and if it happened last week, we might listen to you, right? right. But I think it happened seven weeks ago. They, they, that's old news already. Right. It's amazing. These are the same people that when you show them the, the most recent mass shooting from Philadelphia— which is tragic, of course. Uh, it was a transgender nut who was also super anti-Trump and something else. Oh, yeah, a, pro, a very pro-BLM, okay? So you're not going to hear anything about that. You know, we still need to do our investigation, right? It, but <laughs> when, when there's even the whiff that the guy might have, you know, passed by a Trump rally, <laughs> whoa, it's Trump kills, you know, that... That's uh, it's the rhetoric and everything else. So okay, look, we we, we know how how it all plays out, right? It's um, I, they, they will they will totally suppress it. Now the good news is that this is the time where the very thing that would suppress it is the one that's going to have to not suppress it. So there there, there might be some good news about this. I I really I'm really looking forward to some uh, big changes here now. Um, I want to talk to you about something, a very different topic, but for some reason it's in the news and I, I keep on hearing it every week and I, I just don't know why it's in the news all the time. And I feel like now I have to address it. I'm talking of course about UFOs, (laughs) right? And the possibility of alien life somewhere else in the universe, if not in this galaxy. Uh, and I, it's so interesting, like Matt Walsh, for whatever reason, he's really into this. And he thinks that there's, that the, the government is hiding evidence of alien life out there. And I was a bit surprised because I do like Matt Walsh a lot. I think he's super bright. I think he's super funny. This one thing, I, I'm kind of surprised. And I, and I, I want to go logically about this. You and I are deep believers in God, right? Right. And I'm gonna I'm gonna say something to you, and I wonder if you can. I'm, I'm asking you on the fly, so let's see if you can get through this. Uh, it's a challenge. Sorry, not not to say if you get through, if you can get it. The only way to me that alien life could exist is if you believe in God. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, why do I say that? Uh, another conversely, let's put it this way: much much easier. If you're an atheist, you should presume 
that there is no other life in this universe. Oh, nice. Okay? Yeah. Now, why do I say that? Why okay, TikTok. Yeah. No, seriously. It's, it's, do you have an idea? Yeah, I do. Okay, what is it? Because it would be such a, um, how could it, it's such a particular thing just here. And if there is a God who created the universe and he created life, that life could go anywhere. But if it's just here because of some fate of evolution and we're at the end of the universe, a weird, funky swamp life, whatever is happening, it would it could only appear here. But a God would make that universally possible anywhere. Right. Yeah, I, I think that you got it. Yeah. I mean, another way to put it is if if you're an atheist and you believe that we are here by random chance, uh, but that chance being, you know, understandably incredibly small, like one out of trillion, 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 all the numbers that we've always talked about. Uh, insanely impossible odds, but you think it, it would happen somewhere else. That, that's, that's, that, that goes beyond, okay? So if you're an atheist and you actually think that there could, that same sort of randomness could happen elsewhere in the universe, how, in fact, you, you believe this so insanely, you would, you acknowledge how insanely small the chances are that the only way you could somehow rectify it to put that round uh, peg in a square hole is by claiming that there's a multiverse out there and that there are millions of universe, billions, and that that ups the ante that there would be some life in this one particular universe, right? right? So, so as an atheist, you, you'd be inclined to think, well, yeah, that's not going to happen a second time, right? right? Anywhere else in the universe, or and, and presumably, uh, you know, multiple other times. Why, why would there be? It it wouldn't make sense from a logical point of view. You having you the atheist having concocted a multiverse to explain the incredibly small odds of any life happening in this universe. Okay, so you're with me so far. Yeah. There's a there's even a, a greater complication that nobody thinks about, and I just I don't get how they don't think about this. And you, my dear listener, you're about to be, have your mind blown. Okay, here it is. Get your ready. Get ready for your mind blown. Um, the universe is 13.8 billion years, maybe 14. I forget the exact number. That's uh, that's a very long period of time. Okay, that's longer than it takes for somebody to find a U-Haul truck from. Okay. California to any other state. That's how long it is. Okay. Just to give you perspective. Okay. That's from my friend, Edwin Sayed, who's, I thought it was a genius point. Anyway, uh, it's a very long period of time. And the chances, I mean, we, we could have easily been, uh, you know, reached this point in evolution in this, using the atheist argument, right? With the randomness and the mutations, we could have reached this position we are right now a million years ago, that which is a, a dot in the timeline of the universe. Right. And, and, the, and, in the, um, and even the dot in the timeline of Earth's existence, four billion years, right? So, or it could be for a million years from now. Yeah. All of, everything could be happening, we wouldn't even know it. We would, we could be a million years from now instead of where we are today. Yeah. We would meet each other, so to speak, a million years from now. Right? right? We, we, we wouldn't know anything about that. We wouldn't know any better. But you get the idea, right? Yeah. So what are the chances 
that not only would another life form perfectly with the same incredible odds, intelligent life, no less, with free will and consciousness and everything else, and that they happen to align time-wise with us. I mean, it's, it's like shooting a, a gun, you know, into the sky and hoping to hit a, 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 an enemy of yours who lives 50 miles away, okay? Yeah. And you just kind of, and you shoot with blindfolds on, right? And expect to, it to land right on top of him and kill him. Right. Okay? Uh, that's what it's like. Yeah. So, so, in other words, their intelligent life formed at the same time as our intelligent life formed. I don't know whether we'll be around as a species a million years from now. I don't know. Could be that we, we all dissipate for whatever reason. And then maybe another life will form around and they'll look around. They, they won't be able to find evidence of, of us just like we, but what are the chances that we would align right. where we could have the possibility of another uh, life form visiting us or vice versa? Yeah. Right. Think about that. And why would they be, even if they're close enough in time, it would have to be so close in time that they reach the ability to, to master the speed of light at the same time we do, or whatever their, their abilities are today, right? Even if it's only 100 years ago, right? Way before a space travel of any kind whatsoever. Right. 100 years from now is, is going to be a huge difference too, presumably. So th this idea of matching in time, nobody thinks about that. I, I, do, you, do you get what I'm saying? 100%. And just to add to it, too, like all the evidence of alien life is not because they have come and said hi. It's because they're so advanced, they're able to get off, like across so many solar systems just to crash. Right. It's like a mistake. They're like, oh, no, we just didn't take into account, you know, gravity and the atmosphere of Earth. So we crashed. <laughs> That's a great point. They're so advanced that they come here. Oops. <laughs> like, zip. They can't hold much longer, Captain. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, and then they can't keep it yeah, from us, too. Yeah, they can't. Yeah. It's, it's all, it's obviously, it just doesn't make sense. Okay. Now, that's the ironic part of it is that for an atheist to believe in alien life actually existing out there, they would more or less have to believe that, uh, that, that God is there. Creating it, somebody is there would have to be a creator, not necessarily God, but a creator making those aliens and directing those aliens one way or the other, right? And the chances of them finding us, I mean, there's too many fractions upon fractions upon fractions, and you multiply them all, and it's it's just it doesn't make sense. I, it, again, once again, it's the inability of the atheist to think things through, they just don't. There's it, it, it points to a much larger thing. I mean, you and I are believers. And look how much we were able to think it through. And I bet some of our atheist listeners here, I know, I know we have a couple of them at least, they, they never thought about this, yeah. right? Because to them, uh, they just dismiss whatever they don't like. It's all nonsense. I don't have to think about it, right? But other things that they don't want to think about. And you, and you offer to them, I and mean, we talked about this before, and you had a, a really good comment um, offline. I, I hope you can remember it. But the atheist, they don't think about the incredible novelty of the Bible and how accurate it is, yeah. right? That, I mean, for example, we were talking about how the Bible says that the will of the people is the word of God, yeah. right? 
which, you know, smacks of democracy, the way, I mean, loosely democracy, republicanism, uh, the idea of a republic where things can be achieved by the will of the people. That's the idea. You, th you think that people who created or fabricated a Bible, because that's what you must believe. I mean, right? How do you, how do you square this concept where that you've invented this Bible for what purpose? Right? I mean, presumably for control, because the atheists will always say religion is for control, 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 control. Opium of the masses. Opium of the masses, right? But they, but the even if they don't use that phrase, like it was designed to keep people in line. Okay, but in what way does it keep people in line? Yeah. Because here's something that says, you know, freedom is the best thing. Freedom, freedom, freedom. Family, 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 right? Uh, the, the, um, the voice of the people is the will of God. Yeah. Like, but if you're fabricating this, then you wouldn't say any of those things. And not only that, but, but you reject kings. Right. You don't like kings. And God tells you know, King David and, and all the Israeli people, the Israelite people, I don't recommend this king business, I'm telling you. And only three generations of kings and boom, you know, the, the Israelites are enslaved. Yeah. Because it doesn't work. That's the whole point. And then in, in addition to the idea, all the other things that don't make sense in the Bible, if you're fabricating it, um, this, this contempt for slavery, uh, this desire for freedom, like I said, this... Um, this elevation of women that just didn't exist at the time, yeah. right? But they, but the importance of women in particular. Uh, there's too many of these things that resonate today. Uh, and then another thing I, I, I found fascinating was that you know the Ten Commandments. There's not a single one of the Ten Commandments that is not relevant today. Yeah. Which is funny when you think about it. If you were to fabricate the Ten Commandments, you would think that you would screw up one of them. Yeah. Right, I mean, just one that it, at the very least they would lose its relevance right. of of some kind or the other. But no, these are such grand, lofty ideas. Don't murder, don't steal, don't commit adultery, don't covet, right? Don't 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 lie. These are things that just didn't make sense. Anyway, the point is, uh, people, the atheist will dismiss all of this because he has to dismiss it. That that's the reason why I think. You never get an atheist who can actually address these issues. They just can't. And because they've decided to take a position and everything floats around that position. See, I was an atheist. I, I, I know how they think. But as soon as I started realizing that I couldn't reconcile some things, I mean, I'm not like a lot of these atheists who, be, who become Christian. I'm not a Christian, as you know. What what I see is that they very often, you know, they they find Jesus because they want to find Jesus, uh, which is great. I'm not I'm not bemoaning it at all. I'm not making fun of it in any way. On the contrary, I love it. Uh, they just decide to open up their heart and they feel it and they enjoy it, and that's the way they they come to to God. To me, that was never satisfying. I I had to be intellectual about it and. It was the free will thing that got me. I said, I, I know that there's free will. I sense that. And I just, and if that's the case, then there has to have been a creator. That's it. And that opened the door for me for everything else. And I really started asking some questions after that. That was the fun part. Um, but, but atheists, they, they have to. They just must 
close the door on that. And because and I, I I had this interview with uh, this guy Tom Jump, nice guy. He's an atheist. He he does some podcasts, uh, and he invited me on his show because he had heard about me, and and I invited him on my show. And I, on my second one with it, my you know he interviewed me more or less, and we had a debate so to speak, and. I was not terribly impressed with a lot of the arguments because I've heard them all before. But the, in my interview of him, I just asked questions, you know, where do you stand on this? How do you, what do you say to those guys who say X? You know, how do you address the issue of free will, for example, like we just talked about? And his arguments were, you know, boilerplate, um, uh, but there is no free will. Okay. How do, you, how do you explain the existence of, uh, you know, what happened in the, uh, the beginning of the universe? Um, you know, I'm not without any challenge. And he goes, well, it was just this primordial stuff and it became, and he used a fancy word for it, I forget what it was, and it just created consciousness. Okay, well, okay, that, that was really unsatisfying. The point is, I'm not, I'm not trying to argue the points of what he said. Right. Um, he, he said these, but all of them were dismissive he just refused to consider how absurd some of these arguments were. That's that's that was fascinating to me. Or the, I can't think of anything more theistic than no free will. If you're not in charge, how do you describe history? Yeah, you know, like that. Everything, it, like how is it a tragedy? And that becomes incredibly theistic because that's God's will. And, and like, it's a weird thing, but it seems like you're so beholden to like, why even move then? Because there's no free will. So everything good will happen to just everyone whenever it should. Yeah. I, look, I mean, it's, I, I appreciate your concern about the free will thing, but you ought to listen to the podcast that we did, uh, he and I, a long, long time ago. And if you just search for the Tom Jump, uh, J-U-M-P, you'll, you'll see, um, it was just interesting. And and the thing about it is that he really believed he was delivering beautiful responses. I, I, I mean, I, just listening to it, I thought maybe I, I had, you know, when you, when you actually make a, a speech or, you know, make a podcast like we're doing now, sometimes you think, oh, I'm doing great. This is awesome. And then, and then you listen to it and say, wow, that sounded really clumsy, Barack, or vice versa. Yeah. And I, I felt like I, I felt like I was... I was giving good questions and not, not even challenging ones. Yeah. I just asked him to speak his mind. Right. That's it. It's like uh, what Matt Walsh did with the uh, What is a Woman thing. The, the whole movie is, I don't want to drill down on it, but the whole movie is just his conversations with transgender people. What is your, you know, what is your position about this? That's all it is. It's interviews. He wasn't making arguments, but is that so? Studies show that like, he was just giving them the microphones, let them speak. And they show themselves to be the idiots that they were, right? And Tom Jump, as much as I like him as a guy, uh, I, he's definitely not an idiot. So I don't, please don't make you know me, me suggest that. I'm, I'm not really not. But his, it, what came clear is that his refusal to see reality. Yeah. That's what came clear to me. Yeah. Now, <laughs> anyone listening to, any believer listening to that would say, okay, Mr. Jump is just not listening to reality. What was fascinating was his listeners, and he wanted to make sure that it was recorded on his thing because he wanted to monetize it. He makes money off of it. That's his business. I, you know, for me, this podcast is just more entertaining, more for fun, and I want to get the word out there, but I don't monetize this. 
And, and again, I don't begrudge him for that. Okay. This, that's his living. He said so. So let's give the man his, his due. So he recorded the same thing at the same time for his show. And all the, 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 the commentators, and then they're on live all the time. And he has a lot of them. They were saying, you know, you tell him, Tom, you're like, and, and they just couldn't see that he was not responding to the questions. Right. Or that his answers were just jive talk. It was it was ridiculous. One of them, for example, uh, we're talking about Hitler, and I said, you know, what about Hitler being an atheist, and uh, not necessarily being an atheist, but being God free. Let's put it that way. Right. He certainly was no Christian. And uh, Tom Jump said something to the effect of, but he was he was uh, a nut about the occult, and he wanted all these artifacts. And I said, Tom, are you? Are you quoting for Raiders of the Lost Ark? Because you understand that. I, I, I mean, you know, you mean the best, but that's not accurate history. Yeah. It's just not right. Right. And you know, maybe he had a, an interest one, but but it wasn't anything like Raiders of the Lost Ark. That was just a, a fun story. Yeah. So I don't know. Anyway, the point is, <laughs> later on, all the his followers. You know, somehow found me on, on Facebook and I saw the, t- he, he, you know, he destroyed you. Like, uh, no, objectively, no. I, I know when, when somebody beats me in court, for example, or has a better argument than me in court, that's thankfully getting less and less these days. Uh, but once in a while, you know, somebody, you know, like five years ago, I remember when one guy made a very good argument in court and uh, he won that motion. And at the end of it, I said, that was a great point, great motion. And I remember that was, I, I want to think like that. Uh, and that was not what Tom Jump had done. It was just not good. It's like a, a debate between Kamala Harris and, uh, uh, pick your favorite female. Like, uh, what's her name? The, the woman from Hawaii. She's, she's, oh, it's Tulsi Gabbard. Yeah, like, you know, having, imagine that debate. Okay. I, I don't think uh, Kamala Harris would win that one. Right. So you get the idea. Yeah. So anyway, it's very interesting to me how the atheist must reject reality. He just has to. And, and to do that, the last thing you're going to do is study yeah. the, what, the enemy, what the enemy, in this case, the, the, the believer, believes. Because it's all nonsense. And I have friends in my own family and friends, generally speaking, they've already figured it out. So they, the last thing they'll do is listen to you. Yeah. Why, why would they open the door for themselves? You know, to them, it's magic and hocus pocus. Um, but you have to kind of get through to them. You have to ask them a question here or there. Anyway, I think I've, I've drilled down a little too much on this, but the alien life thing is such a good example of that. Because if you're, if you are an atheist, you should not believe just by your own standards of the existence of life anywhere else on the planet. Am I, am I right? Does that make sense? 100%. Okay. Yeah. All right. You heard it from Devin Goodman, (laughs) my co-sister. Thank you so much for co-hosting today, Devin. Thank you for having me. It's really, it's always a pleasure. And uh, I really love so many of your thoughts. Um, In the meantime, Brock Lurie signing off. Uh, But before I do, I just remember, uh, my book is coming out. uh, Middle of July. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Keeping the kids all right. How to embolden your child against the woke agenda and you will win. I, I, it's awesome. It's going to be, it's so much fun. This book was fun writing and it's, it just shows you exactly what to do as a parent so that you never have to worry. Okay. I know that's parents' deepest fears, right? 
is will my will this child that I love so much will he, he will turn against me when he's uh, you know what 14 15 and so on uh, sometimes maybe it was when he's 25 who knows this this will show you how to make sure that never happens all right make sure uh, it's gonna be good it's gonna be really good all right folks Brock Lurie signing off saying God bless and we will talk with you next week